0: Welcome to a Practical Idealist podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, and the focus on this show is real change for better health, home, and community. My family has been about the business of living more sustainably for almost 15 years now. We installed the first residential solar system in the northern part of Mississippi, and we bought one of the first electric cars. We really thought in our younger years that we were going to see a big movement toward the Green New Deal, but it hasn't materialized like we hoped, and we are still far from where we want to be ourselves. That's why I love watching the next set of young influencers who prioritize lifestyle within the limits of the natural world that sustains us. They aren't fringe hippie types of people anymore. They're young, smart, fashionable, and tech savvy. But they realize something that Gen Xers and those before us didn't. Less is more when it comes to quality of life. Today, you'll get to meet one new young influencer who is sharing this message when it comes to the second most polluting industry out there, fashion. It's possible that change starts in our own closets. Stay tuned to find out how. If you've been following the show, you may have noticed a difference in the introduction. I began this program out of the nonprofit organization, the Homestead Education Center. We made the tough decision to close the actual center and keep the online facets of the nonprofit so that we can care for my parents three days a week over the years that nonprofit has raised ninety six thousand dollars that went into local projects and this year we're taking on a new one that i am so excited to tell you about 100 women who care is a national organization with chapters all over the place you can find them online the concept is so simple 100 women give hundred dollars one time a year that's ten thousand dollars Everyone who gives into the fund meets for one hour once a year to vote on which local nonprofit projects to support. Last week, we started a 100 Women Who Care Starkville chapter. Our goal is to fund projects that help people make significant and effective changes in their health, homes, or community. In one day, over 100 women joined. As of today, three days later, we have 150. But our goal is to reach across political party, age, race, or any other imaginary line out there to include every single woman in our community. I call us the least exclusive club in town because we believe that together we can impact significant change. If you haven't signed up yet, please jump over to the website at www.opracticalidealist.com and join us. If you aren't local, you might consider setting up a chapter where you live, It's so simple, and it's the least bureaucratic organization I've ever encountered. And as always, you could support our ongoing projects at the JL King Center, where two participants were just hired into city jobs with benefits last week by making an affiliate purchase on the website. Please consider purchasing a bundle to support the important programs at the King Center, where the goal is creating pathways to prosperity. Every penny spent on the website goes directly into the projects. At www.apracticalidealist.com. And now on with the show. Catherine Pryor is a full time student at the University of Western Ontario and part time eco blogger. She grew up caring for and being inspired by nature, her environment, and everything the world has to offer. A few years back, she began to notice the unsustainable aspects of her life and started on her journey to a more intentional and sustainable lifestyle. Since then, she's grown passionate about advocating for the planet. Imperfect, low-waste living, ethical fashion, flexitarianism, which I think she'll tell us about, conscious consumerism, mindfulness, and intersectional environmentalism. This is a young woman who has it together. On her blog and social medias, she's known as Sweet Sustainability, and I hope you'll follow her there. Catherine tries to find creative solutions for making low-impact living more inclusive, as well as increase accessibility in the awareness of climate justice issues. Catherine aims to use her blog as a space to share her honest experience, research and tips she's learned along her journey to make a more intentional and sustainable life with the goal of creating more climate advocates and activists. Catherine is a firm believer in that every small step toward positive change counts and that every individual has a role to play in advancing systemic change against a climate crisis. Welcome, Catherine.
1: Yeah, hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. I can't believe this,
0: reading your intro, your bio, I thought, oh my gosh, it's a kindred spirit and she's young. And so that always (laughs) gives me hope. It always gives me hope for the future that maybe the next generation will figure out how to make this um, just a normal part of the conversation. So I'm so glad to have you here.
1: Oh, thanks. I'm I'm glad you feel that way, because that's definitely my approach to this large-scale problem.
0: That's right. And individual change, making big solutions is something I'm very passionate about. So let's start with what I like about your social media outreach is that it's accessible to people who maybe aren't aware of or interested in sustainable issues. It's just well done and it's, it's inclusive. I'm seeing a lot of that in young influencers now. Can you talk about that shift from kind of fringe to mainstream
1: and sustainability and how you got into that? Yeah, so my my personal journey um, as an environmental advocate um, started quite a while back, I'd like to say. I started this blog in June, but my journey started much before that. I've always been someone who is interested in the environment and in conservation and I was really inspired and influenced I guess by my family who um, really did an excellent job at exposing me to nature early on um, just by getting outdoors on a daily basis and going camping once a year Um, and I think that's a really important piece to note because That's something that we're starting to see is missing from um, a large portion of children's upbringings today. And because of the generation I was born in, uh, I'm 22 years old, so being in my generation, I've been exposed to a lot of climate issues growing up. They were um, built into my curriculum as a teenager in high school. And it was very much prominent in the media um, in my early adult life. So as I saw these issues and learned more about them, they really started to resonate with me. Um, And I think it was a fairly natural transition that I took towards taking more sustainable uh, lifestyle changes as I learned about the various issues and the alternatives that already existed. Um, When I moved out that was a big shift for me because I became much more conscious and curious about what I consumed and I found myself heavily researching for everything I was buying. I had learned about fast fashion and more ethical consumerism and I was really trying to implement that into my life, um, making sure that what I brought into my home Or um, my apartment was ethical and sustainable for clothes especially so in May I was looking for a bathing suit and like usual when I'm buying something new these days um, when it comes to clothing I'm doing a lot of research on the brands I'm deciding to purchase from or considering purchasing from um, to understand how they're made and if I feel that this is ethical and if it's a brand I want to support so you know I'm sitting at my computer at May and I remember having a conversation with my mom for the second time I think it was you know later that evening about how I was still on my hunt for this bathing suit and she made a note that like wow I probably spent hours looking for a bathing suit you know most people and most young people especially wouldn't do that Um, and her little comment really resonated with me and I was thinking more about it later that evening and I totally agreed with her, you know, people aren't willing and don't want to put the time into um, searching for brands they truly want to support so I felt that maybe if I could share this information and make it more accessible to people we could have some more conscious consumers out there and as I thought more about this idea I realized there were a lot of these sustainable lifestyle changes that I made and that I was continuing to develop that I felt might have value to share with other people um, so that's what that's what started the blog and I got started with it pretty fast I see the connection that this was also and has been still today a um, creative outlet for me I have always been a I started as a a gymnast and moved into dance Um, and I've been dancing for close to 10 years now um, after my lengthy gymnastics career as well so it's a big part of my life I'm very much a creative person have a creative mindset and have a lot of creative energy and at the time of starting this blog I was supposed to be um, doing a dance program in New York City actually so being from Canada uh, due to all the events of 2020 Mm. I obviously wasn't able to attend Um, so I I think that's why I jumped into this so quickly I had so much energy that I needed to divert um, and I've been really really passionate about this project so I'm really happy with how it's taken off so far and um, the direction that I'm aiming to go with it. One point I really try to make sure my audience knows about my platform is that although I'm confident that everything I share is valid and is researched thoroughly, I'm not an expert in this. My major in university, I'm in my fourth year now um, as a kinesiology major, Uh, is not in sustainability at all. But my university degree has given me the research skills, the critical thinking skills, and the writing skills that I'm able to bring to the table with this work. I want people to understand that I'm doing this work despite it not being my hobby or main career path. Um, And I think that's really important because I think everyone has a role to play when it comes to solving the climate crisis. And it's really important for people to see that they can fit this kind of work into their careers and that that's really necessary to accelerate um, systemic change. So yeah. this is the way that I chose to contribute towards it. And I'm really enjoying the work so far. I've met a lot of lovely um, young people who are also involved in climate wow. justice. And overall, I've been really impressed by the community I've found in this niche of sustainability on social media. Especially with the involvement of young people. Um, However, one thing I have noticed is this prominence in uh, Trends in the sustainability realm. So one that's popular is reusable straws um, that are uh, Advertised to save turtles and reusable straws are great and this lots of focus on lifestyle change is really important. We need to focus on individual lifestyle changes and manage our own waste um, before moving on to large scale changes. Um, But what I'd like to see from more young people today is to make that connection between our individual lifestyle changes and how that plays a role into the overall climate justice problem and how we can turn this into a systemic movement. I'd love to see some more involvement with policy changes and intersectional environmentalism such as understanding fast fashion and as well as the disproportionate effects that climate has on marginalized communities. And I think this is something that is slowly starting to come out. It's something that's very difficult to make tangible and to um, take actionable steps towards. Um, But I think this movement that's starting of lifestyle change is really moving in that direction, and that's what I'm really trying to do with this platform.
0: Yeah, I like so many things about what you said, and I can't believe you can say them at 22. I don't think I knew that until I was at least in my 30s. So that's exciting to me. There's just, it's, yeah, the straws, oh, don't get me started on the straws. You know, you'll see people (laughs) with a reusable straw and a plastic cup. It's just nuts. But I think what it does is it just, it was some, for some reason, people really resonated with that straw project. And at least it made them make a connection between what I do and the consequence. And it seems to be that humans just do not make that connection well. The way I live has larger consequences. And like you say, eventually that has to translate to policy. It has to translate to a larger systemic change. But but we want to start in our own homes, in our own backyards, and then expand. And so I, I'm just really excited about how you, how you already have made those connections and can't wait to see what a lot of young people that are making the same connection will do with that on a larger scale. So caring about the balance between humans and the world that sustains us is one thing, but making the practical changes in our lives that make an impact is another. So slow living is a word that many of us encountered for the first time during shutdowns. Can you summarize what slow or intentional living means to you?
1: yeah I I love what you said earlier on in the episode actually um, you said something along the lines of less is more when it comes to quality of life and I think this really is what slow living living comes down to slow living to me is really just about creating more awareness or consciousness about the decisions or choices we face every day so that the outcomes of our decisions can lead to more impactful work that is more in line with our values and goals. And in doing this, we can make more time for activities or projects that are meaningful for us. So the, the slow piece of this term comes from the fact that when we start to make these more intentional choices, then we can make the decision to focus on what's important to us as well as cut out what's not <laughs> mm-hmm. and what isn't working for you um and this will really foster a greater sense of of gratitude from our daily living tasks
0: yeah it is amazing when you you know i mean I, we met technot years ago and he would talk about being present while you do the dishes, and I would think, well, that would just be terrible. Who wants to be present while you're doing the dishes? But the, the actual result of being present and slow and intentional is a, a better sense of, of um, gratefulness, of gratification, and and it it's a shift. I think it's a shift, and it also speaks a lot to, I think, what you talked about. When you're worrying about paying your bills, when you're worrying about getting to two jobs and Picking your kids up and getting their homework done, it's very hard to slow down and be intentional. And so, you know, this, there's, there's a gift in, in being able to do this. If you are at a, a state in your life where you have the time to become conscious, then it's something that we really need to cultivate and practice. But, but we do need to realize it's not, it, it's like Maslow's hierarchy, it's not possible for everybody at every time. And so these are, these are baby steps. But I want, to break, Absolutely. I want to break it down one step further into practical living. So fashion, I picked that. You, you could talk about lots of topics. I know you could. But I <laughs> wanted you to talk about this one because it's the second largest polluting industry in the world, second to only to oil. And that blew my mind when I watched um, The True Cost with my daughter. It means that we as consumers drive an industry that's extremely hard on the environment and it abuses the people who work for slave wages to provide it. So that's directly our dollar, our practices of supporting fast fashion are creating this. So give us a picture of the true cost of fast and cheap fashion.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I think that piece of slow living really ties into this. Many of us don't really realize how many choices we make with our dollar each day or how we vote with our dollar. Um, and understanding that really sets us up for conscious consumerism and is that's going to be really necessary for conserving our planet. I love that you mentioned the True Top Cost documentary because that was my gateway into fast fashion as well, actually. I would highly encourage checking out the documentary. It's a little, it's an older one, um, but it's still relevant for sure today and I believe it's on Netflix Um, but the the official definition for fast fashion is fast fashion is a term used to describe a highly profitable business model based on replicating catwalk trends and high fashion designs and mass producing them at a low cost yeah so the main goal of this business model is similar to many of today's large-scale business models, and that is to keep the consumer coming back for more and to maximize sales. There are a few ways to recognize a typical fast fashion brand. Usually they will have large collections of clothing with a very quick turnover rate. We've actually seen the development of micro seasons in fast fashion brands. So rather than four seasons of clothing, we see trends with new pieces coming out every two to three weeks. And this leads the consumer to believe a clothing item has gone out of style very, in very little time. So it creates the need from the consumer to keep going back for more. The second way that these brands get their customers to return so frequently is by making their clothes poor quality. So the clothes just break and the consumer has to replace them and in doing so they can keep the cost of their clothes very low and this entices the customers to buy higher volumes of clothing so this is a very complex problem but it comes down to two large areas of concern and the first one is ethics in order to keep the cost of their clothes low these brands are exploiting garment workers by underpaying them by overworking them, failing to provide safe working conditions, and meanwhile, the stakeholders are turning over enormous profit margins. So, to make it clear, it's not that they don't have the money to pay these garment workers. um, They choose not to. Mm -hmm. The other aspect or other area of concern is the environmental impact. So, to produce such large amounts of poor quality clothing. Uh, It requires enormous amounts of energy to produce, um, and that takes lots of fossil fuels for transportation. It requires exploitation of resources, including deforestation for some of their materials or fabrics, um, harmful chemicals used for the dyeing fabrics, and then the astronomical amount of textile waste that comes as a result of these quality clothes that people aren't keeping in their wardrobes for long periods of time and that are breaking quickly.
0: Yeah I remember when I got the true picture of that we had hurricane Katrina near us which was big um <laughs> big hurricane in New Orleans and yeah. what they were using to to stop the holes in the levees were people's used clothes that they were donating and I thought my, oh my gosh. gosh yeah so th- that's that's the picture of the kind of waste we're creating.
1: Yes, yeah, it and I mean, we could we could go on about the environmental impact of this for ages. Um, I'm sure a a quick Google search would just be shocking. Um you truly can't conceptualize how much textile is in our landfills right now. Yeah. Um, one misconception is that, higher costing or like luxury brands are producing their clothes more ethically and this isn't really the case like the majority of luxury brands are still the environment and exploiting their workers in the manufacturing process um but simply higher simply obtaining higher profits from them and um they do have less sales on average but i i wouldn't consider this as ethical just because a brand may not be using a fast fashion scheme still doesn't mean it's an ethical brand. Um, so it can seem really overwhelming to, uh, <laughs> to try to find ethical brands from there. And the problem is that this has also led to excess consumerism. So people are now unwilling to pay more for less pieces of clothing, and it makes it extremely difficult for someone like myself who's trying to promote ethical brands. People are really tied to wanting more, especially when it comes to their wardrobes.
0: Yes, and that's been my my daughter got me on this trek of capsule wardrobes, and it's changed my life. I wish I'd done it 10 years ago. But we're going to talk about solutions, so I don't want to, keep, I mean, it is depressing, and you could stop right there and put your head in the sand and say, too big. But really, I can't believe how in one year my consumer habits have changed from doing some of these things. So, let's go there, let's step away from the ugly picture and tell us what we can do about it. Explain what changes we can make in our homes and with our purchasing habits that could really shift this industry.
1: Right, yeah. It is a complex problem and the solution is complex as well. It can be overwhelming to just look at all this information at once and trying to cut it all out once. It can com- completely out at once. But you need to take it day by day and there are definitely some concrete actionable ways to help. And the first one is going to be understanding that you have um, a vote with your dollar. An advocate for slow fashion, which is the opposite of fast fashion, ethical fashion brands, um, to vote with your dollar by supporting these brands and by removing your support from these fast fashion brands. So in doing this, like you said, you're going to need to expect to own less pieces of clothing with the same budget. Um, But I I think that piece of slow living will really help um, and being a conscious consumer will help as well. So when I look at a brand, I consider three pillars. My first one is transparency of the brand's entire production line. It's a really good starting point because if the brand feels confident in the ethics behind their production line, they'll want to share it with their consumers. They'll want to advertise how well they're paying their workers because they know it'll get people to be more willing to support their brand. Where we start to see problems is when they're hiding certain aspects of their production line. So you can head to a brand's about section of their um, website and hopefully there'll be a section on production line it'll look something like sustainability of our products or ethics of our products or how are we made a title similar to that is a great place to start and if they don't have that there's probably a reason that they're hiding it so if you're able to find um, that production line or some information about it The next thing you're going to look at is ethics. So This is my second pillar when I'm looking for an ethical clothing brand. So you're going to look for the ethics behind how the brand treats their employees, as well as how they source their materials. So this refers to if if, if and how the garment workers are paid, starting at the beginning of their production line, so making their fabrics, um, and how they source their materials. are they aware of where their fabrics are coming from and how those fabrics are made because some brands will start their production line at the fabrics and disregard the fact that those fabrics may have been made in sweatshops and then the third pillar i look at is the sustainability behind the brands materials and manufacturing because in 2020 a brand is not truly ethical if they're not making efforts for the sustainability of their brand and of the life cycle of their clothing pieces so looking at the materials that go into their clothing um, what exactly they're made of and how they manufacture it like i mentioned earlier this is going to cost more it's going to cost more to Pay the garment workers appropriately and to provide them with more um, with safer working conditions. Um, and if you're going to stick to the same budget, that is going to mean buying less. Another way that is more affordable that still removes your support from fast fashion is to buy secondhand. I'm a student, so this is where the majority of my clothes come and the things I don't like buying secondhand, such as, you know, socks and underwear, bathing suits, as I mentioned earlier, active wear is a little bit more difficult to buy secondhand. That's where I'm going to spend my money or my budget on supporting these ethical brands. And it is certainly a privilege to have that option. Not everyone's able to do this um, to support these brands that are ethical but uh, are more expensive. But definitely purchasing secondhand is something everyone can do and you would be so surprised at the amazing quality of items you can buy secondhand. Um, Especially now there's so many online sites um, that are great for, they even have luxury secondhand brands now. So buying secondhand really doesn't compromise um, the quality or the style of your pieces at all anymore the next thing you can do to help uh, forward this movement is to take responsibility for your individual textile waste so you can do this by looking at the end of your clothing's life so you want to donate or sell old clothes that you don't want anymore that don't fit that you're not using fix clothes that can be fixed you can do that by um, a DIY which I'm sure you could google these days and learn quick sewing mechanisms or you can bring things to a tailor which do still exist even though they're totally underutilized today Um, and then also buying good quality clothing that's made to last is going to cut down on how much new clothing needs to be made for you as an individual So, looking at both the quality of the piece you're choosing to buy as well as the style of it you want to look for classic pieces that you're going to love for a long time that comes to the the capsule wardrobe piece that you were talking about Um, which could be a whole other discussion topic Mm -hmm. but buying things that you know you're going to wear more than 30 times and that are going to match with lots of pieces that are already in your wardrobe and are really versatile um, that you can wear more year-round are going to be the best options to choose for your wardrobe Um, a fun way that is also incredibly cost-effective is to host a clothing swap so you could do this informally by just swapping clothes with your friends or have a formal clothing swap where everyone gets together and bring some nice um, good quality clothes that they don't want anymore and you can switch it up and get some new clothes for no cost um, and then I think the last piece that is a great way to start getting involved in slow fashion and stop supporting fast fashion is to really Uh, educate yourself about fast fashion and about the alternatives that exist in order to become a more responsible consumer and to better share this information with others because there will likely be an opportunity where your friends or family may ask about the brands of your clothing or where you got that cute top and being able to inform them and pass on the information is really gonna create more impact from your own individual lifestyle changes so we mentioned one really great resource earlier the true cost documentary which like i said is on netflix and another one on there is river blue um, which is another great documentary i would recommend Uh, how to break up with fast fashion is a excellent book by lauren bravo that i would highly encourage reading if you're interested in this um, you can of course check out my blog for ethical fashion guides and tips for how to shop ethically on a budget like I mentioned I'm a student so I can promise you that my budget for fashion is as minimal as it can be <laughs> so if yeah. you're looking for frugal tips um, I certainly share a lot there.
0: And what's your website?
1: My website is sweetsustainability.ca, and my Instagram is sweet sweet sustainability sweet dot sustainability. Mm-hmm. I might have to verify that.
0: <laughs> That's fine. I'll uh, we'll, we'll put links to all this in the show notes so you can find. Um, everybody can find you because I know they'll want to follow up on that.
1: Oh, following people that are going to inspire you to shop more, inspire you to shop more ethically as well as unfollowing those fast fashion brands on social media and unsubscribing from those mailing lists are really going to help with that temptation of consuming lots of clothing. Uh, You know we, we may like to believe that we aren't influenced by the ads we see online but honestly I don't think any of us are really immune to good marketing tactics so it'll be a lot easier to implement more ethical consumerism in your lifestyle if you try to surround yourself with as much good influence as possible. And that can easily start online.
0: What a great synopsis of so much information. So really, re- and, and most people, like you say, you're a researcher, I'm a researcher. I was an educational researcher, but I translate those skills into learning about good products. And so I, you know, on our website, we have several companies that I believe in, But just to make things simple, like my boys will only wear sporting wear. That's their fashion, my teenage boys, that's all they wear. And so just knowing that out of Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas, one of those companies is actually making an effort, the other two are not at all. I know that we try to buy Adidas now. They're not perfect, but if that's the only thing my boys will wear. Second of all, we found online thrift stores that have barely used, I mean, half the stuff that comes looks brand new. Like, I use ThreadUp and Poshmark. What are your online thrift stores that you use?
1: We have those ones as well, and Poshmark is what I'm using the most. I love Poshmark. That's my favorite. I actually just got a a winter jacket from there, um, and it's virtually brand new. Um, One of the tags was actually still on the jacket. Yep. So, yeah, definitely recommend that one. And then capsule wardrobes, that has changed my life because – I used to just,
0: when something struck me, you know, I'd see an ad like you say, or I'd be out, and I'd see something, and I'd say, "Well, I, you know, I need that." And capsule borders you do four times a year. You have a spring, summer, fall, and winter, and so I set out my little capsule of what I am going to wear for that three months, and then I see the pieces that I am missing that I need, and I buy those then, and then I don't buy anything else until the next season comes around, and so just you know, the savings. I might buy a lot nicer things than I used to buy because. I know I'm actually spending less and using a lot less and wasting a lot less by doing capsules. So I'd really encourage people. Do you have any capsule wardrobe Instagram people you
1: follow or sites or that you can recommend? Um, there's actually a new brand, uh, actually a, a new brand to me, um, I recently discovered that sells complete capsule wardrobes Um, So I'll send you the link to that, but I think that's pretty cool, if not to purchase from, but to get a really good sense of um, what you could use to make one. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll send you the link to that one. I think it's such a great idea. And then the the other thing is, so you said, oh, so
0: researching, so knowing about your brands, like I said about the activewear stuff. And then there are just brands that I like, like for underwear, um, there are just different brands out there that I've really researched and I know are okay. And so when you when you have your blog, do you mention any specific brands that you've already vetted so people don't have to do their own homework?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um I have a bunch of different I call them ethical fashion edits mm-hmm. um where I share a list of brands exactly what you said, okay. brands that I've already done the homework on and I can be sure that I feel confident supporting and you can too. Good. Well, so you guys um, need to go over and look at
0: her list because it's <laughs> a lot of work. I mean, I've done this all summer looking through, you know, reading about and trying to, cause there's a lot of greenwashing that goes along with this and, and there is, some is yeah. real and some is not. So thanks to Sweet Sustainability for making this easier for us. And I'm so excited to hear a young person who is completely ahead of her time and excited to see what she will do in the coming years.
1: Thank you. Yeah, this is such a great conversation. Thanks again for having me.
0: And thank you all audience for joining us today. I'll have the links to Catherine's tips in the show notes at www.practicalidealist.com. And if you learned something today, please share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. And don't forget to rate and review us. That helps people find us. Here's to slowing down and taking a good hard look at our closets this week. Have a great one.